There comes a time in every podcaster's life when they spend weeks preparing to record an episode. Then realize they can't because the guest got sick. Well, here's an episode done with an hour of preparation decided at the 11th hour. An impromptu Toku Tuesday and the start to the road to Radiant Black. Welcome back to Midnight Grappler Animals, home of Flub Nation. Guess what, Flubbers? We really, we really did it this time. We, uh, we had a whole other topic planned for our recording today. It's currently 7.44 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, i.e. the only, you know, time zone that matters uh and about an hour and some ago we were supposed to be recording a completely different podcast for today uh but we had two guests we're not gonna say who you'll find out in a month's time and yeah the one one of them got sick so you know we're not gonna force them to do a podcast sick kind of what kind of monsters are we not so, that kind of monster. Not that kind of monster. So we decided to s- scrounge together uh, an episode just to keep the schedule going. Uh, and luckily, I managed to pull one out of my ass uh, and do something that, uh, that we've had in our backlog uh, for quite a bit. Quite a bit I'd, I'd yeah. Say. yeah, yeah. and uh, Lan picked a comic that made me feel the way Ramon felt when... We had him read Fantastic Four full circle. So it's all really coming full circle. Yeah. Like if you heard that cold open, which again, we wrote in like 10 seconds. Um, this is going to be the <laughs> impromptu first episode to a series within a series. Uh, so this is a series within Toku Tuesday that we call The Road to Radiant Black. And the goal of this series is sort of to get us a better understanding of what was going on in Kyle Higgins' mind going into writing Radiant Black. And this isn't really just to not just to pathologize Radiant Black, but also to give it a a fairer second chance, I'd say. So far I feel like I'm on a road to perdition. Ayo. I'm not referencing the comic either. I just uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hate Higgins. I really don't. But he's a nice man. like everything I've seen about him. He seems like a really nice guy. Like I, I, I you know, I just I I can't wait till we get to the 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 part of the road where I I enjoy enjoying him. For right mm. now, it's it's been tough. Yeah, it, it hard to love, hard <laughs> to really hate. You know, which is always a great thing 
when it comes to to anything really uh yeah so today we're starting off our our journey on this road uh with mighty Morphin power rangers which technically isn't the first you know first entry chronologically on this road uh but it was also the only part that we could you know dive into even if it's only like toe depth uh within an hour so <laughs> and even then you know we really we really paced through it real quick uh so do you want to jump right in or is there anything else you want to say salt before we we get into the meat of today's episode oh i mean uh, i guess the only thing i'll add is i watched this show fervently mm. as a as a baby so this is kind of like the opposite of ultraman like this one has like really deep roots for wait did we say of... what book it was yeah, you just said it was power rangers oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. It's, uh, sorry it's mighty oh. morphin power rangers to be specific M major the flub the 2016 comic you're flubbing uh, so hard, Land. This you're is already forgetting this might just ordered. be our flubbiest episode yet. I... <laughs> okay. anyway, anyway, I watched. I sorry, watched Saul. Out. What was your experience with, with Power Rangers? <laughs> I would play with the little plastic toys while I would watch it as a baby, and I remember a lot of it really well. So you know, even though I haven't watched it in like fucking twenty years, whatever. Um, so yeah, I just, I had something to compare it to this time, which made it a little different than our Higgins Ultraman experience. Nice. Nice. Yeah. For me, I don't have that sort of connection to mighty Morphin Power Rangers specifically. Um, as you know, I, I wasn't existent on, on this earth when the show initially debuted. Uh, but you know, I have my experience with the Power Rangers franchise. I, I got into it with Ninja Storm and kind of have been following it ever since uh and i did go back and watch power Rain mighty morphin oh god it was like two or three years ago at this point so it's relatively fresh ish in my mind uh so yeah let's let's jump into it anything else you want to add salt no let's do it all right cool so power rangers volume one so in June of 2015, Saban, which is the creator or then owner of uh, Power Rangers, announced that they were forming a partnership to produce new comics with Boom Studios. Uh, Boom Studios, famously known for uh, publishing Rich Johnson's Iron Muslim. So to read that. <laughs> <laughs> the deal so this deal kicks off with six one-page comics that they distributed at San Diego Comic-Con that year and uh each one basically just spotlights each of the six rangers. We didn't read those six pages before re-recording this just to really add to how prepared we are for this. Um but then there were two books at the start uh of this empire that they've created. Uh, the first of which is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the book named after the show. Uh, and that is set in 2015, not 1993. And it chronologically takes place after Tommy stops being the evil Green Ranger. So this is after the big green with evil arc of the show. 
And this book was written by Kyle Higgins. Uh, and then after a mini series called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink, uh, which was written by an assortment of writers, I believe, uh, we got Go Go Power Rangers, which is also set around that same time, uh, 2015, that is. Uh, but it takes place before the team meets Tommy. Uh, so this is a pre Green with Evil post episode one of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, comic uh, as you can tell the uh, with them being taking place in 2015 or around 2015 maybe 2014 i don't know um these aren't canon to the show uh which is worth noting because i i need to complain about this because i only found out while doing like the small requisite amount of research for this uh, episode, the Ranger Wiki, which is the de facto quote unquote official uh, wiki for the fan base, if you will, uh, they <laughs> they put the this these comics as continuity within the same continuity of the show. What? Yeah, so I, I tried looking up, you know, like where things were at nowadays, uh, like with, you know, the comics and stuff. And so I went to click on the wiki page for the comics version of uh, Jason, the Red Ranger. And then it took me to the page for Jason from the main, like the the show. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just like a you know, like a redirect error. Maybe they just fucked up the redirect and, you know, it's redirecting to another page. But then I looked into it further and yeah, they they write the wiki entry for these characters and these comics as though they actually take place within the continuity of the show, which makes no sense to begin with, but it gets even funnier when you realize that they also count uh, crossovers with other franchises. Uh, so them meeting the Justice League canon, them meeting uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles canon, uh, them meeting Godzilla also canon, uh, according to the Ranger Wiki. Uh, and usually I'm not like, I, I don't begrudge continuity so much, but for me, especially when it comes to this, the Wiki is my only source to really get an understanding of what happens in the comics like if, if this happens in this comic i go onto the wiki and just read a a summary to to know that said thing happened in this comic but i can't really do that here because of how it's organized yeah that doesn't make any sense because like just having a rough familiarity with the franchise having watched it so long as a kid opening this up it felt pretty clear like it was a reboot like a separate yeah. thing so that's kind yeah. of an insane way to handle your continuity. I, that's like the most reader hostile way I can imagine. It's horrible. Like, can you imagine being someone <laughs> trying to get into these comics and being like, okay, where do I start? And then you go to the page for these comics and it's like, oh yeah, this actually takes place in, in the continuity. No, it, ugh, God. Yeah, you have to watch hundreds of hours of a 30-year-old TV Yeah, you have show. to watch 160 episodes of the show to really understand what's going on here. Oh my god. Sorry, that was like a <laughs> that was a whole tangent of its own, but uh where the f where was I? Uh 
yeah, so they they take place sometime around 2015. Um, both books uh, that is my, that is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Go Go Power Rangers uh, ran concurrently and culminated in the big 2018 event Shattered Grid, uh, which crossed both books over. And again, before you ask, don't ask me how they crossed over. We'll get to that when we get to that episode. Uh, and it also marks the end of Higgins' tenure on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, thus ending the amount of Power Rangers comics that we actually have to care about. Uh, that's, both series do keep going on after that, but much like Marvel and DC in the 2010s, the comics just have been a series of labels, initiatives, and events uh, since Shattered Grid happened. So we've got stuff like Beyond the Grid, Necessary necessary evil or as i like to call it unnecessary evil uh, unlimited power the altarian war charge to 100 and apparently since last october it's now back to being only one book uh which is mighty Morphin power rangers starting from issue 100 uh the power rangers comics franchise has evolved into quite a behemoth and I'm not sure if you got a feel for that in the hour since we decided <laughs> to do this, but it... no, I got a taste of that. Like there were a lot of comics to pick from. I like, I, I got a little scared being like, Lynn, I don't know how to find the right book, but yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. It, it's, I, I don't know if it's necessarily hubris, but it definitely is uh, something. It's something. And we'll get into that as we go into Shattered Grid and really start picking apart what we what we see happening to to this as it stops being sort of just a lice comic and starts being its own thing. Uh, because I think the one thing to note is that these Power Rangers comics aren't necessarily like your your average licensed comic you know every everything's got a, a licensed comic nowadays you know like cyberpunk blade runner fucking doctor who right but yeah there was something different with this one that that gave boom a hubris that made them fall on their faces in quite a lot of ways so did they like do too many titles at once and then just have to ax them all at the same time? Is that no? I, oh. It's it's not necessarily in terms of the titles because they, to my knowledge, they've only had at most two main ongoing titles, uh, whether it be Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Go Go Power Rangers, or uh, and stick with me here, Mighty Morphin Book One. And book two is called Power Rangers. So you have Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers, uh, which also ran concurrently. <laughs> okay. But yeah, they, they never stepped out of having more than two ongoings, but they would have like mini series and whatnot. I think it was Shattered Grid that sort of opened the floodgates as to, to how big they can get with the franchise and what they can do in terms of uh, original content. Uh, because yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that when we get into that, but this is like the calm before the storm. You know, I feel like Higgins sort of 
blue sky goals here is to eventually get the licensed Power Rangers to cross over with Radiant Black. I could see that. I could see that, but I I do wonder. I do wonder what the circumstances need to be in order for that to to really happen. You mean storytelling and, wise, or more like licensing wise? I mean everything wise, honestly. Yeah. In terms, of I don't like think it's a best wise. It's not a great idea. It's not a terrible idea, but it just kind of seems like with all the storytelling type ideas he does and how big this franchise has gotten, it, it seems like yeah. something that's in the car. And the thing is, like, like I said before, the Power Rangers comics have not shied away from crossing over with non Power Rangers media. Like, they've crossed over with DC, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, uh, Godzilla. Godzilla was like last year, right? Yeah, it was like last year. Uh, so. It's not to say that it's out of the question. I, it's just more so, you know, like what's the success of Radiant Black versus the success of Godzilla or Justice League or, you know, TMNT. But I I don't know if Radiant Black was really in, in the long-term goals when he was writing Power Rangers. Like, what I have in prior research here is that Higgins had just come off of Cowl. And I think Cowl is the more interesting book here to talk about uh, with regards to Higgins's blue sky goals, but he had just finished Cowl, uh, which was that image and Batman eternal at DC uh, when he was sort of brought on to do the power Rangers comics. So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point to be at. Like, at that point, Higgins had not necessarily earned any notoriety to speak of, uh, but he was, like, well-known enough that putting him on a comic like Power Rangers could at least give Boom that sort of, like, hey, we have a big two comic writer uh, writing our comics. You should check this out element to it. Saw you there. Sorry, man. I was I was looking up some of the <laughs> artists. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, so, I'm totally still here. So we both read this uh, extra legally, I guess is the best way to put it. Again, we only sure. had an hour to prepare. Uh, I read this as volume one, uh, and you read this. As individual issues <laughs> zero to six, is that yes, correct? Correct. So, uh, again, maybe with more prep, we would have realized that volume one doesn't collect zero to six, volume one only collects issues zero to four. Uh, and it has you know an extra side story at the end. Uh, so right now, Salt has read two more issues. Well. Two more issues than me now. I've read Power Rangers up until... Oh, I think Necessary Evil was where I dropped off. So this is a reread for me. It's okay. Uh, you're not missing a lot. It, you're no, you're not. not. <laughs> I'm definitely not missing a lot. And, you know, I think for the sake of how long this episode will go, I think that's always best. So we have four, uh, five issues. Uh, a zero issue and then four main issues to get to. Uh, and, yeah, so for me... Since I read the volume one edition of this C <laughs> dot CBR file, 
Uh, I got to read the foreword uh, from Chiplin, who was a longtime writer and producer on the Power Rangers series. Uh, and, you know, it's just the usual. Uh, Heim Saban inspired me, you know, like it really inspired me about the potential about what Power Rangers, you know, that that kind of forward. It doesn't really add too too much, but it's always nice to to have or at least to see someone from the main show production uh go to bat go to bat for the comics just adds that sort of like air of legitimacy to it i guess uh and yeah i think my only other general comment i have before we get into this is that the covers are great uh we have Gonyi montez and jamal campbell doing covers for this book uh and both of them rock were they doing uh, it, consistent covers for all the issues? Yes, up until a point, I think. Because yeah. Jamal Campbell is doing work at DC now, I think, on Superman. Gotcha. But but yeah, throughout the run for 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 Mighty Morphin, uh, they were doing covers. Yeah, Campbell's got this really nice sort of it's rendered, so painterly it's look. So, yeah, exactly. It's like clean, refined. It's really, really nice. But yeah, let's dive in. Uh, we have art not by Campbell. We have art by, and I hope I'm saying this name right, Henry Prasietta. Uh I think it's Henry Prasetya. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, it, there's parts where it works really well. Like that's that's the nicest thing I can say. I think um, Prasietta seems to really enjoy drawing the uh the mechs the zords like that that those parts work really well for me um and the the human action like the way the 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 characters are talking to each other can work but if we have like particularly close-ups with strong emotion or any sort of combat the art can fall a little flat yeah i think for me the art is serviceable I think is the best way I could describe it. Like it doesn't necessarily take away too, too much uh, from the comic, but it is like whenever it, he's not doing faces, he is very reliant on tracing, like especially for the in-suit fights, mech fights uh, and backgrounds, especially. Uh, and he doesn't really do a good job of masquerading the fact that he traces it. Like, uh, I note later on that uh, it is very similar to a type of uh, corner cutting that I see in some comics, like specifically uh, Golden Kamui. Uh, Satoru Noda in Golden Kamui, he actually takes pictures of forests and sort of, uh, what's the word, posterizes them so that, you know, it looks drawn, but like the closer you looked at it, you can tell that it's just like a... It's something like a Photoshop happened. filter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's this. I think it's easier to get away with that in in manga because you know, like it's black and white. But here, where you still have, you know, like someone coloring over him, who in this case is Matt Herms, uh, the, the tracing really shows more. You know what's and, fucking? Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Well, what's bananas in this is uh, there's a backup about Bulk and Skull, mm -hmm. and uh, I 
there it's confusing because it's not necessarily credited the same way. Maybe this is a different backup. But at the end of issue it's zero, the Balkans, the, the ongoing adventures of Balkan Skull. Yeah, yeah. So there's a backup of Balkan Skull, uh, uh, that one at the end of every issue. That's usually a two pager. But I have a longer backup in issue zero. It's a has a really cartoony rendering of the Rangers and the Zords yeah. and Goldar. And I said that I'm like, damn, that's how I want this book to look. Yeah, the the we'll and we'll talk about the backups when we get there. But it it is like a stark difference between Presetia's work uh, when you get to it. It's a lot more dynamism, and it's it's way less, um, you know, way less up against that uncanny valley. It's more impressionistic of how you would see this stuff. So seeing you know these like really vivid pinks and like distorted faces and figures of these these robots and these kaiju like. It, it kind of becomes a letdown that that's only for like three pages in that backup. Yeah. With like speed it, lines and shit, it rocks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for me, I think the big issue is that I, I've seen Perseus work. Uh, ch- change is, is, a, is, a, is a tough word to use because... Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Persetia is currently working on the Common Rider Zero One comic for Titan. Yeah, when I was zoning out for like half an hour, that was me <laughs> off his Twitter. Okay, cool. Yeah, and uh, I have a very funny experience with that uh, because I was I I had signed on to review that comic, or at least the first issue of that comic, uh, just so I could read it early. Uh, it's not a good comic at all, but. Uh, the art has minutely changed since, or like Prasetya's art style has minutely changed uh, since 2016. Like it's that same sort of like, you know, tracings there. The faces are kind of weird, but there is more dynamism, I will say in the zero one comic than there is in this one. So maybe you learn that at some point, but, but yeah, with what we've gotten now, it is very much like not necessarily posing in the way that like a, a patch Zercher comic is posed, but Oh no, nowhere near that bad. It, it is. Yeah. It's still very static is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, the hits don't really land or, you know, pop the way you want them to, especially for something with, like, a Japanese influence. But uh, should we start going through it issue by issue? Yeah, sure. Let's start with our big number zero. Uh, So, again, like we said, this takes place right after Green with Evil uh, in the show. So, you know, like, Tommy's fresh, freshly joining the, uh, the team, and everyone's still sort of antsy about his presence. Uh, And one thing I actually did like about this, uh, this volume especially is how they pathologize that. And we'll get into that issue one, but here we see more of Tommy's perspective in this. And we actually have a nice devil on the shoulder uh, to accompany him uh, in the form of Rita. Rita Repulsa. What did you think about her? Uh, Well, I really like that she still had her ice cream cone like bra. Mm -hmm. That was really Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, (laughs) She's definitely iconic. 
Um, you know, shout out to Prezietia. There's a issue later where he's uh, Tommy's hallucinating. He thinks his mom is saying some weird stuff, and then the the face tears off, and it's like Rita Repulsa, like pretending to be his mom. I just, you know, I remember like she is so like strange and unsettling uh, from the show, and I think sequences like that really captured that. Um, there is this weird thing that comes up later with like trying to get the Rangers to see this battle she's locked in with Zordon from her perspective, and it, it doesn't really work. But I mean, yeah, I think I think Higgins is most in his bag when he's playing Rita as this like Lilith Satan type figure, and she's just constantly trying to like you know uh, attempt. Tommy to the dark side. It's it's simple and you've seen it before, but it works. Yeah, like the the dialogue is a tad corny, but I mean it's corny in the way that a lot of the dialogue uh in the book is for I get I don't know, like I don't know if Higgins is trying to emulate that nineties kids TV show style of corny dialogue. Uh I mean if he is, he's succeeding, I'd say. Uh but you know, like aside from the the little corny moments, uh, her being that voice in his ear is actually really good framing uh, for a lot of these sort of inner workings uh, of the Tommy, you know, of Tommy's mind as we go through this. And then we get a funny trope that we were making fun of on our uh, "Kill Your Boyfriend" episode, where. The teacher in the high school classroom is teaching on a subject in the most broadest strokes in a way that will be uh, relevant and applicable to the struggle of the story later. <laughs> he's he's talking about the Cold War like you were just skimming Wikipedia. You know, he's he's going like spies, disinformation, counterintelligence. It's just like yeah that's the cold war (laughs) you know what he uh fuck what's that that uh bit on snl the weekend update uh, bill Hader's character stefan stefan (laughs) he's describing it like stefan if you like spies interrogation (laughs) then you're gonna love the cold war (laughs) all that in a party room filled with human bath mats (laughs) right and yeah, it's doubly funny because the whole framing here is that it's supposed to be juxtaposing the Cold War to green with evil, which is just <laughs> I, I our can't enemy turned a guy against us. It, it's so crazy. Like the the enemy. So the whole plot with green of evil, green with evil, is that Rita Repulsa, the big bad of the series, uh, turns a random student she finds, which in this case is Tommy Oliver. Uh, against the Rangers, he is like uh, an unstoppable force, and he's the Green Ranger. You know, like he's he looks like one of them, but he's against them. <laughs> and you know, like the the nice thing is, you you see the battle from both them in the suit and them out of the suit. Like the the drama there was crazy. I remember that specific part of my watch. So that that was the drama was crazy. But again. You're comparing that to the Cold War. <laughs> Insane. You crazy for that one, Kyle Higgins. 
uh yeah and so then the that's like crazy but i'm like all right whatever we'll roll with it it doesn't actually like anger me it's just kind of a dumb thing what happens it's next, funny it's funny yeah, you know like, funny. I, it is funny very much like again like if those 90s sort of illusions is what he's going for comparing green with evil to the cold war is actually would, pretty apt i'd say i'd say it, it's yeah. pretty apt no it would be at home on the show i agree but then i i think what i find there's really nothing in the writing here throughout any of this that is like worse than serviceable there's even some cool ideas in here but i think what i find like really unfortunate and like angering at times is the way higgins chooses to convey visual information i think this is something that uh, spoke to you too just like what a massive fail a lot of these uh these reveals are yeah are you uh, do you want oh yeah so one thing i want to mention because i don't know if we're gonna get to that but uh you you know in our show notes for this, you've noted has Power Rangers always been in New York? And oh, yeah, I didn't, I I didn't so, so like, and I didn't realize this was like an art thing because I'm like, oh, <laughs> was, was there like the towers in the back? Like, is no, this, it's the... how can you tell? No, it's because there's there's a sequence where Scorpina is in a boat, right, and she's next to a bridge. And when you think Angel Grove, Angel Grove is supposed to be based off of like San Francisco. Uh, Los Angeles, like California, essentially. Uh, what are some big bridges in that area? You go Salt, you're Bridge, in that area. Bay Bridge, Golden Gate Bridge. I can pretty much see them from my house. <laughs> Damn. You know but what like, bridge is in this comic? <laughs> the Brooklyn again, Bridge. The Brooklyn Bridge, because this is, again, Persetia is, is tracing, and I don't know what he was thinking, but... I was trying to look up too earlier to see if like maybe he's not from the states. I, I really no, he's not. Know. He's not. Yeah. He's not. He's. I think he's from Indonesia. But again, like the, I, I can't blame him for that. I kind of feel like that's something where Higgins could like that could have been a fun design choice on Higgins' part, where he's like, hey, like we could combine aspects of San Francisco and L.A. Like that's for you to communicate to your artist. That's not your artist's job to think of. So like I think Presidia is off the hook on that one. Yeah, it, it is funny, though, you know, like it really adds to the <laughs> the Angel Grove used to be uh, based on L.A. and San Francisco. But consider for a moment that it's also based on New York. New York. A second dragon sword has hit the <laughs> only only an Angel Grove, baby. Only an Angel Grove, baby. <laughs> so on the next page after this goofy Cold War comparison, this is where I got annoyed is like. The first monster appears, and the angels, it's not the angels, sorry, the um, the, the rangers, the power rangers. Zordon's angels. <laughs> Zordon's angels. Uh, they suit up, and the, the mechazord appears, and it all happens in the same way I paste it verbally. That's not how you do that. Like, yeah, it's... Oh. Like, like watching, so reading this, like, I, I was like, damn, like, what was it like watching the show? And I, like, went back and I watched the, like, a couple clips from the show. You know, I hadn't seen these in so long. Like, it takes a full-on two minutes for that Zord to assemble from oh, yeah. all those animals. And, like, that's so such a cool visual. <laughs> and, like, yeah, like, the there's biggest... all the clunking and the, you know, like, the actual, <laughs> like, heft of things going together. Yeah, None it's of a... that. It's really here. exciting when this robot is revealed. Like, again, like, that's what takes me back to Radiant Black. Like, it's so strange to me that Higgins is this, like, 
tokusatsu fanboy and he does get it and he does let love it i don't think that's not authentic but he like completely drops the ball on that every time yeah i think he really did want to appeal to like the nostalgic elements with the i guess the henshin sequence in this case uh or the morph sequence sorry uh the that morph part sequence... also does not work <laughs> It doesn't work like it's a callback to the original show, but the framing is not interesting at all. It is literally just like imagine if you took the shots of each of the Rangers going, you know, like Tyrannosaur power or whatever. Right. And just like stack them like the Brady horizontally. Bunch. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the Brady Bunch. And there's like nothing cool going on with the, the morphers behind them. It, it It's just like the most static perfunctory sequence you could find. I guess what I find really weird about Higgins, because I you didn't want to pathologize, but I do. And I think the weird thing about Higgins is how he takes this show that is arguably for babies and he overly intellectualizes it. Like, again, I haven't seen this show in decades. I don't necessarily want it to be more complex. I went back and I watched that robot morphed, and that's still whipped ass. <laughs> like, that should still be the focus, is watching a big robot, like, turn its head to the camera. That's so sick, and he, like, doesn't use it. Yeah, I... Like, there are two things you can key on, key in on uh, when it comes to, like, revitalizing or reimagining powers. And one is the drama, and two is the the fights, Right? Because he gets the you know, drama. He gets the drama, and I think that's good because the drama is actually like a very significant element of the original show. And it's great that he gets that, but like the the fights feel perfunctory. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it really just feels like it's there to be there. And maybe and this is uh I'm I'm fully going to slander here. Maybe this is just endemic of him having watched a lot of common writer recently, or like recent common writer, I should say. Uh, because that's what it feels like. It feels like an episode of uh fucking common writer build where it's like five minutes of fighting that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, and then fifteen minutes of them going, hmm, well, you really got to see the, the, the science behind the power, the hazard levels. You know, it's, it's that kind of writing in comics format. Right. Explaining this stuff that you, you didn't really want explained, but now you're kind of held hostage to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you want the story. Well, you're going to have to figure you're You're going to have to sit here and learn. And he does lampshade it a bit, too. Um and I guess this is a later issue thing, but uh, yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's like it it doesn't work. No, there's, the and, there, and there's like there's there's funny stuff that like I kind of wanted. I, I'm not against changing things, you know, but like I want if there's going to be changes, I want the changes to have some like intention behind them. And like yeah. one thing that, that really like jumped out to me was this first battle is in this uh this crowded city like near the not brooklyn bridge and as a kid you when you watch this show you're like oh it's always in these empty places you only realize in an adult 
as an adult that they filmed in those empty places because the rock quarry is really cheap to film. Yes. In. <laughs> but yeah. it's still, it looks weird seeing this fight in the big city. It looks way more like it's aping Spider-Man or Superman or something. So I'm, I'm kind of like missing the rock quarries. <laughs> I mean, it is funny. I think it is. I personally think it's kind of cool for them to like add that. I guess in a sense, it's the Godzilla factor, right? You know, like a monster comes to town. Right. Uh, and you know, like we really see it more issues, but, uh, I think the human element of civilians getting caught in the crossfire works better in go, go power Rangers way better than it does here. And yeah, that's not get to go, go power Rangers. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll look into that civilian aspect a bit more. Cause you know, like here it kind of just comes and goes, you know, it, it is very much like, yeah, the civilians are here. Yeah. They're also, you know affected by what's going on around them yeah we see that one rescue by the pink ranger but it doesn't really lead to anything else yeah i guess that's what i'm saying is like it could be cool but i wanted more done with it but yeah uh the fight itself is it's you know it's there yeah it's perfunctory but i will say there is one uh, sequence that I actually did like, and it's the pterosaur popping off the chest. Like oh, I don't think great. we we really saw that much in the show itself. So yeah, that was cool. You know, like uh, having parts of the Megazord sort of like come apart to do their own thing. That was good. Yeah, and then uh, Rita has like a new sidekick that shows up at the end of this. I don't know this character. I don't remember Scorpino? her from the show. Was she in the show? Yeah, she was in the show. Oh, well, I, it's been 30 years, whatever. I, I forgot her. <laughs> um, uh, she has a she's an interesting look. She's she looks like a even more S&M influenced uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, yes. Um, Scorpina's design is. Uh, yeah, you know, let's move on. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> All good. And then that brings us to issue one. Yeah, so this is the first quote-unquote real issue of this comic, and it starts off uh, fantastically uh, with uh, hashtag podcast uh, solidarity, podcaster solidarity uh, with our fellow podcasters, uh, Bulk and Skull. If you remember Bulk and Skull, the comic relief slash bullies from the show, they're back. They're here. Now, Bulk... uh... Bulk says something I thought was really relevant to what we've been saying, where, you know, promoting his podcast, he says, uh, every episode is someone's first. And like, just the irony of that was like, yeah, dude, this could be someone's like first Power Ranger comic. Like, this would make no fucking sense to someone first picking this up. Yeah, it's like, I, I get what they're going for, you know, like this is the, the ethos or the path. The logos, yeah, sure. yeah. the The logos of of this comic is that it was supposed to be like an entry point for for new readers who had no idea what Power Rangers or specifically Might, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was uh, at the time. Uh, so, I guess it's also a good point, good uh, chance for us to analyze if that's actually the case or not. I think 
like the very again the premise is that this comic takes place after green with evil so there is so much history that is missing like it it is i don't know like it's tantamount it's tantamount to the way that spider-man homecoming started right i'd say you know like spider-man homecoming has none of the origin stuff none of you know like uncle ben dying or anything but it kind of just starts at a midway point in his career as spider-man and i think that's the same approach that they're going for here uh where it it, you kind of know what the deal is but uh, i don't know like does it work for you i i guess it doesn't work for me because i i get what you're saying with you kind of know what the deal is, but to me, what makes the deal cool is like watching robots transform and like that doesn't happen. Yeah, I think it would have been nice to get even if it's like a one page thing, you know, like and again, maybe it's a tired point to be like, yeah, this could have just done the all star Superman thing of, you know, four panels explaining their whole deal. But I, I think especially if this is a younger audience that you're trying to appeal to uh, to get into these comics, I think a more proper introduction would have been nice. And I, I'm not saying like uh, the issue zero, because the issue zero wasn't that great in introduction either. It's a good reintroduction. I would say like a reintroduction to all the characters yeah, uh, or like these specific versions of the characters. Well, this but... is really yeah, go ahead. Well, this was really similar to like my uh, my issue with the Radiant Black stuff we read. Whereas like Higgins has stuff he likes about these uh, these tropes and wants to recreate it, but he he gets in the way of his own vision with like dialogue and like plotting complexity. Like if this is issue one and we're we're opening up with like what is it five pages or so of these podcasters interviewing yeah, people. One, two, it's like and it's crazy because they're doing actually they are doing that that sort of uh you know like recapping what has happened up until now through their podcast but like i don't know it just that's just that's insane that's an insane way to open it to me because like you could you could still a, have that in the issue it's I a just, funny I, framing device i, I will right. say it's like if it's issue one, you put me on issue one of a book like this, my first five pages are going to be like cool transformations, lots of people punching and kicking. Like, I, yeah, I just like, am astonished I, you know to fuck that up. You know what it is? I think this, you know, the sequence could have worked if it yeah. was later on in this issue. Right. Like if we have the initial fight, you know, like you start off with the Zords powering up, you know, the Megazord getting together you have a little fight and it ends. And then like, if you had the, the final fight of issue zero, if that was the start of issue one, you know, I'll, and again, with the Zord introductions done better and all that. But if you had that starting issue one and then go into bulk and skull, sort of summarizing everything that's happened up until now, I think that would have been an, a much more engaging hook. Totally agree. Than jumping right into the the podcast. Yeah, but you know what? Again, solidarity with our fellow podcasters, Bulk and Skull. Yeah. Uh, so actually, you know what? 
I will uh one point I'll, I'll make uh before we jump off the podcast thing. Uh because this is something we're going to have to analyze in the next episode of we do of this uh when we have more time to prepare obviously, but <laughs> uh I'm not sure if it had started at this point, but the uh, Kyle Higgins writer of this book. Uh he did a series with the Ranger Danger podcast, which is like a significant podcast in the Power Rangers community. Uh, and it's done by his collaborators on both the Ultraman books and Radiant Black. Uh, so he did a series for that podcast called The Boom Room, uh, which gave listeners a, a deeper understanding or a, a deep dive into his writing process. For these comics uh so i'm not sure if this was like him trying to like be like ah yeah i see you to the ranger danger podcast but mm. again maybe that's something we can delve into later in the next episode yeah of this I mean, it, it's worth considering i mean i guess the one last thing i'll say about the podcasting since it takes up we just can't get off book, the podcast we can't i mean, we can't okay <laughs> but he he interviews at least one truther here which is so fucking funny to me <laughs> like, oh the, yeah there's yeah, like 9 yeah. 11 truthers but they're like the not <laughs> brooklyn bridge truthers. you're talking about the one with the the purple hair yeah purple hair chick. Yeah, goes, yeah yeah i'm yeah. telling you the dragons are destroyed the bridge watch the video again it doesn't fall until after the fight <laughs> that that got a laugh from me. And the the follow up's also funny. Anyone who says different is delusional. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a good segue too to talk about how like again, it's crazy that this is set in the same continuity as the '90s show for so many reasons. That's crazy. There's no way it can be. There's no like again, anyone with uh, I don't. I'm gonna hold my tongue. <laughs> but yeah. I, anyone reading this there's no way you can like be like yeah this is the the same you know like continuity as the as this the is show. especially reboot. with the characterizations right especially that's what i'm saying and like technology and you know characters yeah, they got iphones like they're right. texting they, each other they they go together these sort of ideas and like you know someone talking like that is the way someone talks more recently that wasn't the way a teenager might talk so much in the 90s and like yeah having iPhones that that that's just there's a thousand reasons why that doesn't work it's a reboot that's the only thing it can be yeah if anyone if anyone that writes for the the ranger wiki is is listening to this podcast by chance uh fix yourself fix this <laughs> what are you doing Get your life together. Get your life together. Get your life together. Uh, speaking of, you know, with this being a reboot, they they do a great job of rebooting Billy to look like a mid thirties AP literature teacher. <laughs> in this, he's got like the sweater vest and the and the the anime glasses. The you know, like the no eyes is just like solid glasses. Uh, it's, you know, an almost buzz cut. Well, it's he, funny too. He he complains about like having sees him as a nerd later on. It's oh my god. He looks. We'll he get looks, to that. We'll get to that. He looks like a reskin of Jason. He just, you know, he, I mean? he's, 
he looks muscular. He looks right. Buff. He <laughs> looks like he's got like a he's got wide shoulders. You know, like he he's got heft to him. You yeah, know, so he's not. He, oh my god. Okay, we'll get it. We'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, issue one. Uh, other points to make. Yeah, I, that the again, only fight that happens is a psyop. Like that was crazy to me. Zordon is on some real <laughs> shit. Zordon is some. So goddamn. The, the only fight we get in this book is we see. It, you know, you're reading and the narrative starts to like change pace really quickly but like suddenly we see the green ranger on the ground with the pink ranger and mm. shit's getting shit's just getting really hairy there's like all these putties showing up and like the green ranger's really overwhelmed and like doesn't make the right choice it all goes to shit the putties and the the evil kaiju win and then oh surprise surprise that was just a bad dream it was Zordon training him, but it's like the most insane way to train it a seventeen-year-old. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, like, that's similar to, like the, like the simulation, like you're saying, like the X-Men Danger Room, isn't that? The yeah, same it's thing? like the Danger Room, exactly. Right. It's like the Danger Room, but like in his head, <laughs> like right. the mental Danger Room. It, it's crazy. It, it's it's a, it's a pretty insane sequence. And I, for a sec, I thought that this, when you said psyops, I thought you meant like pitting the Rangers against each other. Uh, because again, one point I will give this issue in its favor, you know, like to its benefit is that it does a good job of pathologizing the transition uh, from, you know, the team being Green Rangerless to having a Green Ranger. Because uh, the show, it does a good job of, you know, like developing the relationships between all the members once he joins, but it doesn't really spend too much time sort of going over what's going through everyone's head. When Zordon pretty much <laughs> says, Hey, you got a new member now deal. with." It. Uh, so like there's a segment where I think it's Zach and Jason talking. Yeah. Zach and Jason talking about how they feel about Tommy joining. And, you know, like, it's good stuff, you know, like, faces aside, I think it does the drama element good. And again, when Higgins really gets into it, I think he can really do drama. Yeah, I think he I really agree. could. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the drama what? is like, ugh, it's not can really we... there right now. Again, issue one, I guess we're not really meant to expect drama, but. So uh, issue two, uh, man, I, I got to be honest, I had to start skimming parts of this here. And I, it really wasn't because we were pressed for time. It, it wasn't that we were pressed for time. I was skimming because I just hate like really long winded, like lore dumps like this. It was uh, yeah. Billy like explaining like it, it looks very much visually aped from Evangelion when they're like getting into the innards of how these machines work. I, I just saw the word like, oh, it's like a segue. And I was like, I'm not fucking reading this. <laughs> you know, like, they uh, call I'm the happy Zords for you. A segue. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm happy for you. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. I'm, happy, I'm, I'm sorry. I ain't reading all that. <laughs> it really is that. Like, I think the second that I saw, uh, <laughs> the second I saw like a, a word balloon that had more 
more than 15 words in it i just <laughs> immediately clocked out like you 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 made a note about like how, explaining all that super science i didn't even bother to read that that word balloon it was so much it was so so much i mean again, you know like, like i get it there is there are people out there that want to know how the zords move how the zords you know like and again they this is what i mean by them like him lampshading it is that you have billy explaining this right again while looking like a 30 year old <laughs> science teacher uh and then you have trini next to him who is sort of like the you know that one meme where it's like the guy with the glasses is like oh they're they're attacking her and then there's the the buff guy it's like yeah in english four eyes <laughs> she plays that role here right. you know he, like there's a scene there's a segment where he's like for all i knew the dragon's or could have been made of of i don't know dark talismans and rusty chains and uh. <laughs> trini immediately goes empowered by evil unicorn blood <laughs> any oh billy poor billy falls right into her trap yeah and, that, and she goes that's a joke billy <laughs> yeah that would just be this this type of page i would just get rid of like almost all this dialogue and you could just have billy say like damn look what i found inside the megazord and then you just let the artist go off and draw some crazy shit and then they could just well, say I don't well, know that's how it works crazy shit and percent use space but yeah uh anyways <laughs> Being pretty mean to Actually, you know what? I will say one thing about the nerd thing because not that it's not fun to make fun of nerds, but it, it is very much like a 90s thing. And it's ironic because even in the 90s, it was never this bad. I, I think when it comes to like Billy being the nerd, like yeah, he has his trials and tribulations, but no one ever treats him like the four eyes. Yeah, I don't remember that nerd. either right well I, him like being like oh i'm the nerd of the group like that's all on him saying that like i don't i yeah, don't remember I, the self-doubt thing comes up in the show it does but not like this even in gogo -Go power rangers i think we do see a bit of it but it's not like this yeah and again maybe those are words that i'll eat once i actually go and revisit gogo -Go power rangers but yeah it's yeah, this is some nice bonding between Trini and Billy. It feels very much like uh, an unintentional, uh, accidental origin story for the libertarian guys with Asian wives group. Oh, you well, when you, when we read Go Go Power Rangers, we'll 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 get into we'll get into. But yeah, I mean, especially if you're writing Billy as a closeted gay man, I think it's good. Oh, is that what's going on here? Oh, I mean, okay. So the the thing with Billy in the show is that he's played by a gay man, David Yost, uh, and I don't uh, know if they have, you know, further written the character to be gay. But you know, like the when you're when you're seeing the character, there you can definitely see Billy through a queer lens. I see. and I'm not sure if that's what Higgins was going for with the uh, you know, like when he says he's tall, good looking. He's another fighter. You know, like, I don't know. Is, is there a queer subtext there? Yeah, it makes those pages more engaging if it is. It does. It does. It does. Absolutely. I think uh, it, it, it lends to a better read, I think, rather than just him being like, oh, I'm a nerd. What was me? Right, right. No, I, I can see that. 
On the next page, we get this like really cool splash of the dragon sword and dragon zord, and there's some good coloring even going on on the zord itself. But it's marred by some like pretty nakedly traced sharks and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> weirdly <laughs> distracting. It, yeah, like even if the dragon zord itself is traced, it is definitely masqueraded oh, a lot cool. better. It a lot better than not even just the sharks, the rocks, the rocks, the, the rocks coral themselves. Yeah, like the shadowing. Like you know what? It reminds me of a Mike Diodato uh, comic. It's exactly very right. heavy, very heavy shadows. Yeah, like every time this comic tries to do something interesting, there's like a small thing marring it. Yeah, I don't think he like in terms of the yard. You know, the reason I think he drew the Zord is like I can see choices being made with the inking and the shading. I can see the places yeah. even on the on the Zord where his pen strokes are less confident, and I like that kind of thing because I know the artist is making choices. I like seeing the artist make mistakes like that. I'd rather see that than like three like traced sharks and some traced rocks. You know? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, like but, you said, since the big conflict of last issue was just the psyops, this issue we get uh, our first major, major, major fight, uh, which is between Scorpina and Tommy. <laughs> and they teleport out of his bed. First off, before anything, Tommy's bedroom is crazy. I don't know if you <laughs> paid attention. Dude's got like a I've fucking the, the fucking what is it? Greenhouse windows like the the slanted. Oh, yeah. Dude's living in a penthouse. Yeah. Uh, and sorry, that's that distracted me so much. But yeah, they teleport out of his nice little penthouse uh, and into a forest, like a very generic again, very traced forest. And this is where we see more of uh, the action. And this is really where I started to realize these fights were not working for me. And, you know, again, it's not just on Prazietta. Like, I think Higgins, like, he really um, clogs up the page, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think it's also just the sequencing and the pacing. Right. I, I'm not sure how detailed Higgins' like, panel descriptions are, but... It, it again it very much feels you know what there is a, a decently cool panel sequence right near the beginning uh which is the right before he transforms actually like right as he transforms i think the uh, right as he transforms sequence it's cool like the art some of the perspectives like the way the panel is sort of like snake around yeah. from right to left that's cool i guess but then everything after that is just very yeah like static i think the the problem is again like you hit the nail on the head when you say that the fights are perfunctory that exciting page you're talking about we see the drama starting to heat up like and then we see tommy like glowing you're like oh damn something really crazy is gonna happen on the next page there is a lot of combat there is a lot of poses but these are just these feel like poses for poses sake these are hits for yeah. hits sake it doesn't work the same way like a really good fight choreography will stage a fight in comics or in movies where the strikes themselves 
tell us something about the character's motivations and the character's objectives and the character's personalities. None of that is in here. Yeah, even like the fighting style, it it really is more like, you know, he's throwing punches, he's, you know, deflecting hits, but nothing really shows anything about his and again, like the 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 crux of this volume is that self-doubt. Right. right between you know like him and the voice in his head you don't really see that in this fight you know like he he gets hit he gets downed but like none of that shows that inner fight going on within him i totally agree like showing a, a fighter plagued by self-doubt could be such a cool way to like depict a fight and that's you're right that's that's totally missed here but yeah, you know, like, uh, then we get everyone else, uh, pinging in, I guess, and the fight continues, fight continues. We do get a little bit of, of Rita commentating on, on the fight, which I thought it was nice, but I think that could have honestly worked better as the voice in his head. Yeah. Like, yeah, Rita, Rita, you know, explaining her plan is cool and all, but. I think having that be, you know, like a worry in his head, like he, like uh, Tommy's a smart guy. I, I'd say, you know, based from both the show and the comic so, thus far, I, I think he could have at least <laughs> thought about the possibility of the green coin, power coin, uh, falling back into Rita's hands. Yeah, there's not really any like dialogue about like what can we do to protect this thing? Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, oh no. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Um yeah, does that does that take it? I mean, I guess before we get to issue three, you know, with all the Rangers warping in, this is an opportunity to see some more of that team friction. And I think Higgins is doing that pretty well. Yeah, like, I think it's I, pretty good. I think yeah. Zach like blaming Tommy a lot is an interesting angle that he he utilizes well. Yeah, he says, I think like, you brought Scorpina with you like that. That's cool. I, th that I think it's cool because it, you would expect that kind of stuff from the leader of the pack. And again, this really says about like Zach's role in the team where he isn't just like a follower. He he takes the lead when he needs to take the lead. And again, that's like pretty consistent with the show itself. You know, like Zach was known to to take the lead uh, when when the time was right uh, in the show itself. So, you know, like Higgins captures that element like great. It's just you know, like every single time I'm like, why don't we have more of this instead of what we're getting? Right. Like we he, flipped, it's, it's we, him going through the motions essentially. Yeah. We flip the page and they're like hanging out a, or a couple pages before it, we see the red ranger and the pink ranger at their karate class. And I could not tell you what happens on those pages gun to my head. It's just so much dialogue, you know, like, yeah, he, he gets too absorbed in these characters talking sometimes, despite the fact that he, he can do well with the drama. Uh, I gotta say talking about Scorpina so much, like I straight up don't remember her from the show. Like, and I might've just stopped watching by the time she comes on, but I'm looking at her now and I gotta say I'm issuing a midnight grappler animals baddie alert. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely. God damn. That's, I think that's all that I'm legally allowed to say on this <laughs> podcast for sure. So yeah, that's yeah. the end of issue two. 
Yeah, uh, I think from here on out we can kind of start speeding up. Oh, mm-hmm. because we only have two more issues left. Uh, issue three. Uh, st- <laughs> issue three starts with uh, Goldar. <laughs> oh, this is great. Goldar He's doing a soliloquy. So his his soliloquy is just really something something fantastic. You know, like uh, it, it, I wanted the comic to be about him at this point. It's funny because it treats uh, him as like the Hamlet. And then you've got uh God, what are the names? It's Babu, I think. No. Oh God. You know, the monkey guy and Yeah, yeah. I remember guy. the monkey. Yeah. Sorry, reader. Sorry, listeners. We'll we'll fix in the show notes. I think. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if we're even gonna have show notes for this one, to be honest. I'm not editing this one, it's fine. I'm not. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Goldar. Goldar's got this Hamlet thing going on. He's got his own Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Uh, and it's like him being like, the queen will never allow me to leave. Not after I failed her. Not after I lost her green ranger. And, and it's genuinely a, like, again, these are characters who in the show are like very like goofy and sort of like, not necessarily one note, but you know, not the kind of characters you expect to to really be like in their feels <laughs> yeah about about this kind of stuff so again an instant improvement over mm-hmm. what we have been dealing with prior and then it just delves even deeper uh when right after that we get a sequence with uh, Tommy and his mom <laughs> and i really got to know you know, uh, what was Higgins cooking here? With the mom? Uh, lo- yeah, with the mom. There's a lot of Freud stuff going on. <laughs> this here. is a weird scene. Like, this is like the, the Freudian element of him having this dream sequence within a dream sequence. Because, again, uh, he seems to, he wakes up from a fervor. He sees his mom. His mom's like, talking to him and then he she lets on that she knows who the power rangers are and that he's a power ranger and (laughs) and then she takes off her face she rips (laughs) off her face and it's fucking rita i i gotta say there's some strange blocking choices because even at the beginning of this sequence we see the mom place her hand on his chest yeah that's weird that's weird man I mean, again, maybe it's not just what Higgins was cooking. What was Prosetia cooking? You know, like, and you know what the her ripping off. I feel okay. So the thing is, the first panel we see of Rita ripping the mom's face off makes the mask look like kind of like a monkey mask. It's fucking weird, right? Yeah, it kind of looks like a monkey mask, and then she rips it off, and the the, the panel of her ripping the mask off fully that looks, looks cool good looks good looks cool uh and <laughs> and you know like the the lettering is also fantastic here you know like the red outline um to really cement that she loves him she's the only one that loves tommy yeah creepy pedophile stuff going on here i mean she's what ten thousand plus years old he's 17 fucked up yeah. messed up and then he wakes up out of that dream. So 
the thing with this issue is that there is so much dream sequencing in this issue alone. It is like inception levels of like how many layers deep is he into this dream? Right. Uh so yeah, you know, like he wakes up in the command center, everyone's like wondering what happened. And then you know, we get more more Rita get, stuff. Yeah, we get some unfortunate like soy dialogue too. Um there's a part later in this where the um the dragon zord shows up and uh she says someone I I swear it's in this issue, she calls it like smog. Is that in this one? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's when Trini is fighting Oh, it's when Trini gets in the Sabertooth Tiger Zord and she she's fighting the Dragon Zord and she's like, all right, Smog, let's see what you got. Oh, that annoyed me so much. I, it, I just don't like that trope. You, you said, other sorry, you said it was what? Soy dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I honestly don't know if that kind of this kind of dialogue would have even worked in the 90s. Maybe it would have. But again, I think it took Higgins a while to realize that with this not actually taking place in the 90s, he didn't actually need to write them as though they were in the 90s. Right. Uh, so this is just like an other, another unfortunate artifact of that, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Trini and Tommy get into the command center's healing bay, I guess, and this offers... Some more exposition time as we find out that Tommy Oliver is uh, Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Mr. 305. Uh, it's, again, more the writing stuff that, that uh, I don't know, like it's him spending a whole page explaining stuff, you know, like, and this isn't necessarily like drama stuff. It's just like, I don't know. I think, you know what, I, I, I think the crux of the issue, like why this is such a strange sequence, is you said it's this dream within a dream. And yeah, it's, I it's, think that's one of the motivations here. Yeah, I think that definitely downplays things, too, is like you have this like heart to heart moment with uh, Trini and and Tommy, right? And then they get attacked by the dragons or which, which whatever, you know, like that happens. Uh, also, you see uh, Alpha 5 get messed up, which is fucked up. But yeah, I think that might have been the first indication that it might have been a dream. But yeah, the Dragon Sword attacks the command center uh, and, you know, they jump into the fight. I like the framing on their transformation here. Their morph here is actually decent where you have that diagonal split across uh, Tommy and Trini uh, morphing. Mm hmm. Definitely a way better framing than any other morph sequence we've seen in the comic thus far. Uh, and then, yeah, we fight for a bit, and then we realize that he, in another dream, he's still in the healing bay, but he is—he has just woken up out of another dream. So we have no idea if the conversation between him and Trini actually happened. Yeah, I, and I would. 
in in a better book, I would say like that could be interesting, but I I think here it just feels unintentional. Yeah, like there could be an interesting thing to say about you know like how he sees his teammates, but uh, again, here it just feels like they had all this. You know what it feels like? It feels like that was just like a waste of a page. Yeah. You know, like you spend so much time explaining, you know, where he came from, what she's going through, or like how she can relate to him. And then three pages later, you're like, oh, that was a dream. Right. It feels like a waste of a page. I agree. And speaking of waste of a page, uh, we immediately cut to a a diner uh, (laughs) where Kimberly, Zach, and Jason are talking about the situation at hand. And I don't know. What do you think? I I mean, artistically, this is where, like, it's one of those most... uh, most galling pages like i think the particularly that establishing shot of the diner the perspective is so weird like you know i i think of friend of the pod daniel irizari and like how he goes to these like really great lengths to make sure the perspective is always solid on his art and if he's not going to draw like a full-on background then he'll he'll do something that like still suggests it while still having like a, a coercion you know or cohesiveness i mean Mm. in the background and the foreground but like this this like is really so weird to look at this kind of art where the artist has to draw these little figures and the perspective on them is okay in itself but then he uses that weird traced background underneath them and just like nothing is the right proportions or the right angle it kind of looks like everyone is living in this world that's like tilted 10 degrees one way and 20 degrees the other way. You know what? I didn't realize from the first page that Billy is sitting with them because you see the one wide shot where you can see that there's four people at the table, but the subsequent four panels afterwards are a shot of Kimberly, uh, a shot of both Jason and Zach. And then you have a shot of the three of them cutting out Billy entirely. Totally. No, that was what I was going to say next. And like, if nothing else, reading the this series for this episode today, like I, I would say this has been a really interesting lesson in like bad framing and like inconsistent uh, narrative technique. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, again, I don't know how much of this is on Persetia and how much of this is on Higgins's description, uh, like for these panels. Like the only way we can really find out is if we actually look at the script. Uh, but yeah. again, the end result is not great. Okay, can we? Do you mind if we just hang on this page a second longer? Because mm-hmm. there's so much weird stuff. Okay, so when I said establishing shot, I was talking about like them, the interior establishing shot. But if you go back a panel and look at that exterior shot, what the fuck is going on with this diner? <laughs> it's on like a hill. Like, <laughs> not a curb. <laughs> Where does the sidewalk end and the building start? And then and the, have... the building is like elevated by like eight feet. Like, is it elevated by eight feet? Like, are we looking at this from the perspective of an ant? Right. <laughs> there's these weird vents on the side. Like, there's so many questions. But I, I wrote in my notes, like, you know, clearly. 
Presetia is not comfortable drawing this type of stuff. And again, like if I was a writer working on this kind of thing, I would like take that into note and be like, okay, here's what my artist is really good with. And so having these like teenagers hanging out and talking, like put them somewhere that's like fun to look at and the artist can draw. So like one idea I had was like they could be on like the shoulder of a Zord or like mm. something more fantastical, right? It's engaging and it works to the artist's strengths. This is just <laughs> Like, like again, you look at the last panel. This fucking diner's a warehouse suddenly <laughs> with yeah. high the ceilings. <laughs> God damn, yeah. And it, like, it's not only that; it's it's also that it's like rounded, right? Which again, from the exterior, you cannot tell that it has a rounded ceiling at all. Like I don't even know if it's actually rounded or if that's just like a shadow. Have Have you ever played the game uh, Psychonauts? Yes, I have. Yeah, yes, it's I that have. weird, inconsistent architecture that's purposeful in that game, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, maybe it's pur- pur- purposeful here, too. You don't know how many layers deep in the dream we are now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> like, you know how in, 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 in Inception you have, like, a tell? Right. You know, this like, whenever you're in a dream, this is the top. This is the top. You know, like, <laughs> the second you look up and you realize that there's a rounded ceiling in this uh, prism- prismic roof uh establishment that's you know you're in a dream right like billy like picks up the ketchup container and starts like trying to squirt ketchup onto his plate of food but instead like food starts filling up into the ketchup container (laughs) (laughs) so again uh, from there you get an immediate cut like a lot of immediate cuts here uh and you're back in the command center and again, more more science bullshit, you know, with the power scan and I was not reading. My ass was not <laughs> reading this. I'm sorry. Anti-reading like, podcast. This is truly our most anti-reading. You know, there's just a lot of explanations. And you know, they get the reveal that or the team gets the reveal from Tommy that he has his voice in his head. You know, that Rita is hitting him with that psychological warfare. And it does give a good. I don't know, like it it, it works, but it also feels kind of manufactured drama wise, because like your your friend tells you that the reason he's been acting so distant is because he's been literally fighting his demons and is your first reaction to to go like why keep it a secret from us you know and and this is where i think it works when zach does it but it doesn't work when jason does it where jason sort of suddenly you know like goes on the offensive and and be like oh you weren't ready you shouldn't have been fighting while you're dealing with this and like it doesn't yeah, it just makes them look like assholes yeah it just makes them look like assholes and again it <laughs> Maybe it works when you consider that they're still not like fully on board with Tommy joining the team. But it it really does feel kind of sudden, especially in a moment where they should be feeling a bit more sympathetic towards him. I don't know. Yeah. So weird. While they're having this this argument over how much they can trust Tommy, suddenly they find out that the dragon sword has been... I keep saying dragon sword. We'll just roll with it at this point. The dragon sword has been uh, activated uh, offshore, and... Uh, the sleeper agent, the, Manchur- <laughs> the Manchurian <laughs> candidate 
dragon sword has been activated. Yeah, and uh, it's it's about to attack this uh, COVID cruise. I'm so glad. I'm so glad it did. <laughs> Down with the cruise. I saw a Triangle of Sadness for the last week of the week before. After that, I'm like, yeah, take that fucking cruise. Destroy all the cruises. And that brings us to our last issue. Um, yeah, so what? What this this babe? I forget her name. Scorpina. Scorpina. Uh, not as hot in the comic. It must be noted. Um, okay. she, <laughs> um, she she's piloting this thing. Uh, pretty sick opening panel. I think. Like again, it's unfortunate that the boat has been traced, but the way the uh, the dragon zord's head is drawn is is pretty sick here. Um, I think it's really funny. Uh, I guess I'm jumping ahead of here. You go on with your, what you're saying. Oh, I was just gonna say, like again, there's. It's funny that the next, well, the the page after the next page, is this like perfect balance of how good the comic could be compared to like how flat it is. Because top half the page, we get them morphing, and it's that same fucking Brady Bunch effect where it's just like all the little icons laid out in a horizontal row. But then underneath them, you have this really sick five-panel shot of like the close-ups on the Zords faces oh, activating. Yeah. That it's shit rules. So, like that's like, what that, I'm saying. Again, make where was this page that? That would be cool. This would have been so good in issue one. Can you right. imagine if the fight started with you know like the eyes glowing? Right. That's what I'm it saying. Been, uh, you know, it, it really feels like Higgins only finally realized how to write fight scenes for the Power Rangers four issues in. He doesn't, he doesn't, because, like, then it's, again, all this, like, really tiny stuff, and a lot of it is obfuscated by, like, traced San Francisco icons, and, like, again, it's all so cluttered, it's, it's, and it's really weird, too, as you flip page to page, you'll see, like, a really big person in a panel, and that, that figure is twice as big as the mech, so the mechs look really tiny, like, it's crazy how few splash pages there are of these mechs yeah yeah uh, you know what and it's funny because this entire issue they're trying to go for this godzilla effect with the dragons or they're trying to like right. treat the dragons or rampage as though it's like godzilla uh, attacking the city but you know like like you said it, it's downplayed by the traced art but also the scale of it just isn't there and I think a lot, a lot of that has to do with how small the panels are. Yeah, like it's when crazy. When you divide a page up into so many panels, it's very hard to convey that sense of scale. It's crazy that like we got this opening page of the fucking boat being turned over, and like they even bothered to draw the the people on the life rafts. But we never saw the people on the life rafts perspective or the people on the San Francisco wharfs perspective. Like no one looking up at these robots, you know, like yeah, that would have been so many sick. opportunities for like cool shots, cool framing that are not taken. Yeah. Like there is one or two flipping back and forth a little bit, but they're so tiny and they, they could have gone so much bigger with them, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we're just kind of getting to the end here. This this fight has a. There is one sick part where Tommy gets on the pterodactyl, <laughs> and the pterodactyl launches him through the air. And he punches oh, yeah. through. The oh, that like unnecessarily hard. hard. Unnecessarily yeah. hard. Uh, but you know what? It, it is downplayed by the fact that the, like. 
like the shadows are the biggest tell of Prasetya's uh, tracing. I think, right. he, like, again, trace all you want. I'm not going to, I'll silently judge you, but <laughs> I, I'm not going to judge if you at least make an effort to not make it look traced. Yeah. And no, you, like, I... you have panel one where he's punching through the window and it's like real sick, but then you notice all the, the heavy, heavy shadowing. And then immediately the next panel, none of that shadowing's there. Right. Right. And, I, you I, know, like it's the the immediate switch I mean, I, from like knowing I, something's traced and something's not. I'm trying to be nice here because I think it's a fun idea. And I think it's one of those rare instances of Higgins collaborating with the artist in a dynamic way. But like again, if like a really talented comic artist who like specializes in, in combat scenes was drawing this, I think the camera perspective would be shifted and the fist would be coming more towards you, the reader and or yeah. towards Scorpina. Like, I think there's, this is again, another missed opportunity. Like it's fucking cool. He's punching through the window, like a, like a bullet, but it would mean a lot more if that fist was going through that window and to her face, but it's not tracking. In also, that it, it takes you a while to realize that that's like the, dragon zord's eye right right like you don't realize that it's the dragon zord's eye until one two three four five panels later where you see like a wide shot of the dragon zord and one of the eyes isn't glowing right right i think you could have done a lot more to establish that he's like punching through the dragon zord's eye specifically well i mean it even it doesn't even match up with the side of the face that we saw. Oh yeah, like, we're gonna get really fuzzy uh, here. It's the uh, it's the wrong eye, right? Is it? Yeah, because because he's, he's attacking her from her right side, which is technically the right eye. Right, but we in the previous panel they're closer to the left eye, and it'd be fine if they're circling around, but we don't see them circle around. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I, I think I'll just blame Higgins for <laughs> lack of pacing. I don't know. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's stuff that could be, like, it's cool. It's, but it's like, again, it's that classic writing idea of, like, it's not so much how cool your ideas are, it's how you execute them. Yeah. And again, a slight thing about uh, Scorpina, baddie that she is, there's like some pages where her face just doesn't work at all. And then there's like some pages where, or some panels where it does, like in the page right after him crashing through the window the fourth panel where she's like it's punching him in the face like the <laughs> eyes are drawn very very well and it <sighs> yeah 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 and the other, you know, the other weird thing here is like again like part of it is there's things i want to see i want to see the like the megazord assembling but like part of it is i kind of need to see it and it's so weird that he it's almost like he's playing a game of like how much can i avoid those henshin sequences because you see on this previous page, the, the red dinosaur is like flying solo, like all the other mechs. But then suddenly, they're Actually, combined. Actually, it's a Tyrannosaurd. Thank you. Yeah, come on, man. I'm 32. Philistine. You fucking... You grew, you grew up with the show. You have no excuses. <laughs> but it's so weird that this thing is just suddenly there, you know? like Yeah. Not even showing, like, the, the last one, like, the Mastodon or whatever, like, being the last piece to assemble. It's just, it's all there already. Like, you were calling it before that there's these very fast cuts, 
and those work for like emotional scenes but for these like combat scenes it's so disjointed and disorienting yeah things just kind of happen again perfunctory it it things just happen when they do so yeah the fight ends the the good guys win and they get back to the <laughs> base. Tommy, these assholes. Yeah. It's, again, he comes in with the save. He saves the day. He is literally responsible for them not getting their asses hand, handed to them. And immediately after they get back, they just get... <laughs> they, they won't stay off his case, even though like he like saved them. Yeah. And, I, I wrote my notes here, like, I've been watching a lot of, like, Florabama Shore, just, like, despicable, awful so reality what TV. what is Florabama Shore? Okay, I, I this is I my lore dump. Do you know Jersey it. Shore? Yes, I do. Of course. Okay, so this is, this is the sequel to Jersey Shore. It's, it's set, like, where Alabama and Florida meet. It's this, like, tourist area. It's where, like, Coyote Ugly is. And there's a shore there. Yeah, there's a shore. So it's like it's like a southern version of Jersey Shore. Like imagine like southern people going to Jersey Shore, like that equivalent. I see. Okay. So so like everyone in the show is like 22 and they get like fucked up and drunk every night and they like they have like unprotected sex with people they meet in bars and then they like get in fights with rednecks. <laughs> Fun. Like the sexual ex escapades, I don't care as much. It's the like getting into fights at every bar they go to that like is so funny to me. And I just wanted these kids to like have that really like undignified fight in this base. Like they do. Yeah, I think they need to be more rowdy, especially if right again in this case they are technically zoomers. Yeah, dude, they're zoomers. They they should be. <laughs> I just wanted someone to like grab someone's hair and like push their face into like a computer console. <laughs> just like, just really undignified ugly stuff. It'd be so funny. I think it would be I think it would really be good. It would again, but the issue is that requires him to write action. Right. So yeah. And then it ends with, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, it seems to be implied that like all the arguing is heating up this like amulet or whatever, this fucking broken knife, and that's what like activates the the fucking mechanism. I don't know the, the demon that they're trying to Rita's trying to summon, and like that kind of annoyed me. It's like, wait, so like the bad vibes are powering the bad guys? This is the same shit he did in Ultraman. Yeah, I mean, if it's not broke. It's very broke, very janky, it's very broke. dumb. <laughs> don't don't want the bad if vibe. If it still holds together with tape and glue, you know, don't fix it. Oh, that's uh, everything I have to say. Yeah, and it it ends with uh, a reveal of our first OC character, uh, our first Black real Dragon. OC in this uh in this comic and he's so forgettable look he looks like a jim lee villain from the 90s he looks you know what he looks like he looks like dc recently did that future state thing right he exactly. looks like a side character from that right that's it that's exactly so maybe right. higgins and Perseo were ahead of the game on that yeah front, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah. volume one ends there with this reveal this bad guy you know ooh, who is he you know Read it volume two to find out. Yeah. And, and I accidentally then, read, Oh god. You read just, yeah, you, you read, read two more issues read. from there. I just want to say the next issue is like a flashback issue. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the continuity. But it's mm. set 
Italy, and the giant kaiju they fight is the Vitruvian Man. Ah. Which I thought was a pretty interesting idea. But, like, again, like, Higgins starts somewhere interesting. Like, what if there was a giant kaiju looks like a Vitruvian Man? So you see this, like, giant man with, like, four arms and four legs. And he's, you know, like, that, that's interesting. You could do something with that. I, I think he, like, cheapens the idea a little bit by giving a bunch of, like, battle axes and swords. And then he cheapens it further by just having the Vitruvian man literally recite, like, philosophy and quotes from Da Vinci in Italian as he busts up the city. I am so ready to get into this one. <laughs> uh, the only other thing that I have for this volume is the extras. Uh, we talked about that just a little bit before. Uh, but yeah, the ongoing adventures of Balkan Skull. Uh, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten pages of this in this volume, uh, and it's written by Steve Orlando. Um, Steve Orlando is another big two writer. Uh, he's currently writing some very forgettable books at Marvel, uh, and yeah, it's illustrated by Corin Howell. Colors by Jeremy Lawson and letters by Jim Campbell. Again, a completely different team from the main book. Uh, and it shows because uh, this stuff's actually pretty entertaining. Uh, anything you want to add, Assault? Uh, I, like, honestly, I don't think there's really much to say. It's like a very fun gag strip comic. Yeah, it's good, good cartooning. Yeah, good cartooning, I think. Yeah. It, it uh, also so- gives us Balkans, more Balkan Skull, which I think the main issue is sorely lacking. Like, do we see Balkan Skull at all after that podcast segment in issue one? No. No. Okay. Well, the good news is we do see Balkan Skull more in as the series goes along, but yeah, this was I, a... I think what he's doing is trying to make the series more dramatic than the 90s counterpart, and so he's Definitely. trying balance that out by placing bulk and skull kind of in their own corner yeah yeah um this is yet again the second higgins but second higgins book i've read that i have thoroughly not enjoyed (laughs) i i acknowledge that there are good elements to it like i thanks for keeping it positive that's true i there are again there are are elements that make up a good Power Rangers comic throughout this volume. I'm trying really hard to word this as nicely as I can. (laughs) The drama's good. The drama's good. Um, And again, by issue four, Higgins has started to learn how to write Power Rangers comics. Yeah, we get our like first half competent action scene. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, then that's all I can really say. That's I'm right. very excited to see where we go with this uh, because, again, this was only the first four issues, but Higgins has a 31 issue tenure on this. Uh, Kyle on Higgins, this book. if you ever listen to this, I don't hate you. I just want you to be better at what you do. Again, we could, we're coming at this from a place of empathy, not hate, not, not hate. hate. No, absolutely I, I really not hate. I think he's genuinely a nice guy. 
Yeah, like the last episode, I was definitely on my hater shit, but this one it really is like a case of me wishing this was better than it was. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll we'll come back to this. I don't know when the next next uh, time I guess gets sick. We'll cram in another. Yeah. <laughs> That's and next time we're not cramming four issues. We're going to be cramming another twenty issues. Perfect. Everything up until Shattered Grid. We'll we'll do it all in one hour. Does Gridman show up? No, unfortunately, Gridman does not show up in Shattered Grid. That is. There's a a lot of fun stuff to deal with uh, in Shattered Grid. So when we get there, we'll 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 get there. Inside baseball for the readers. All this kaiju and toku stuff we've been watching triggered a memory of me watching Gridman when I was a kid, and I I sense a picture of it to land, and I it, but I didn't know it was called Gridman. It was called it's it's like super, super cyber. He- <laughs> okay, hold on. It's super uh, cyber. Oh my god! It's I it's, I it's know word this. vomit. It's total word vomit. It's because the the original show it's SSS. S Gridman, uh, Squad. I'm googling this as we speak. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, and Cyber is spelt with an S. So uh, the, yeah, of, the thing yeah, with SSS Gridman, which is produced by Deke Entertainment. I watched this. Entertainment. I I watched this as a kid. It was like if Power Rangers like took place in the internet. And it sounds like it, I'm being vague, but that was really the concept. <laughs> and it features Tim Curry. That's right. He plays like it Satan. features Tim Curry as the villain. <laughs> oh, so cool. Anyways, I asked Land, what what was this? And he's like, Oh, that was Gridman. I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't know it was called Gridman. Wait, why'd you bring that up now? Because I remembered watching. Oh, because there's a thing called Shattered Grid that you talked about. Oh, was, yeah, yeah. And then Gridman. you said you Gridman, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Gridman will get his day in the sun another day. Gridman will get his day in the sun. Also, I don't know if you looked at any of the variant covers. This is one by Fraser Irving. The back oh, of cool. Book. No, I did it's not. Freaky. I love it's freaky. Oh, you should post that in the show notes. I want to see I that. I don't right? know. I don't think I... For, mm. Uh, content warning i think <laughs> oh okay if you really want to find it go look for it yourself uh, it's, it's a more uh, it's more an issue uh, four villain variant cover by fraser irving more creepy mom content yeah i, I really hope there is more freud content as we yes, go along uh, i would like that because i don't remember reading anything else quite as freudian in the rest of these issues Alpha but 5 yeah, we... gets stuck in a washing machine later. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much everything for this episode that we hobbled together in an hour. You uh, think, well, you hogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it weren't for, for if it weren't for our determination to get an episode out this <laughs> out this uh week, you wouldn't have seen the start of this series for god knows how long. Uh yeah, the road to Radiant Black. We will continue on it. Uh, I don't know when, uh, because again, the next Toku Tuesday you'll see will hopefully be the one with the guests that were slated to come today. It'll be great. They're, they're, It'll they're be great. It'll be fantastic. Up. We're wishing yeah. them well. Wishing they they heal well. I want to tell the listener 
We have an email address. You can email us midnightgrappleranimals at gmail.com. You know, I was going to say we have not gotten any emails. However, on my Twitter, I have had several listeners reach out and tell me how much they're enjoying the show. That means so much to me. It really does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for the email, uh, in case you want to email your thoughts, like it's 2006, uh, it's Midnight Grappler Animals, our show title, at gmail.com. You can send questions, comments, suggestions. Uh, please just don't send us any hate mail or new. Just don't cool. send us anything not safe for work. Exactly. We have a Discord. We'll link that in the show description. You should and join it. It's a it's a tight knit community. It's a small it's been community. It's, it's not, yeah, a lot a lot of activity there recently. Yeah, it's good. Uh, you can yeah. follow. Go ahead. <laughs> We're getting to that that part where we we cannot keep it together anymore. This is this. Yeah. Is okay. I'll, you know, I'll shut up. You you do your thing. <laughs> you you finish this out. You can follow us on the the equally broken website <laughs> Twitter. Uh, Lan is at Lan Tweets. That's L A N T W E E T S. Or you can follow me Salt at Salt M Bank S A L T M B A N K. Uh, also, listen, you hogs. The show is still free. You haven't paid a goddamn dollar, and that's yes. okay. But you need to leave us a fucking review <laughs> on your podcast app. Of, you this know, is not, only, listen, this isn't even a question. This isn't even a request. Do it. Last time was a request. We are no longer asking. Yeah, we're no longer asking. Leave the review. So edit, in a, edit in a, a, a sound effect of me, you know, like clicking a gun. You know, like, yeah, no, I we're Yeah, this is me pointing and, a gun at your head. Leave us a nice review right now. Nothing lower than a full. Be nice, okay? Be nice. Be be nice or else. And thank you for listening. I'll get very angry. I'll get very, very, very angry. You be nice and we'll be nice. Thank you. We love you. We love you. We're sorry you had to deal with this. But, uh, all right. Keep on grappling. Keep. Ooh, that's a good one.
rocky till it click, I keep popping. Keep poppin'. Bitches to the death, you know how Lil Robbie rockin'. Facts. Actin' like a hitter, you gon' put yourself in danger. I don't know you niggas, y'all some motherfucking strangers. Did a lot of dirt, I got blood on my fingers. Saw fast rapper, shoulda been a fucking singer. Niggas ain't street, these niggas entertainers. Grown ass men looking like the Power Rangers. Actin' like a hitter, you gon' put yourself in danger. I don't know you niggas, y'all some motherfucking strangers. Y'all some motherfucking strangers Beat down your block with them sticks you fucking danger Being right with cookie to the face, I'm searching stains up Niggas camping every day and claiming so I aim up Pain them up, then I call up Frankie when the drink is up I thank you, bro, for put you the long way, let's roll this thank you, Janky, bro, who on my mama, you niggas janky, bro You stanky, bro, you think he the shit, he missed the hanky, bro I used to do whatever, do whatever for the dough And now I got bitches that love to do whatever for some dough My nigga OG, he moving in this shit together and it's on and it's on now we leave the trap cause the work gone hit the spot i tell that little bit get her turk on hella bands that's all i'm about look this my third phone hit a in the back bitch that's the word phone acting like a hitter you gonna put yourself in danger i don't know you niggas y'all some motherfucking strangers did a lot of dirt i got blood on my fingers saw fast rappers should have been a fucking singer niggas ain't street these niggas entertainers grown ass men looking like the power rangers acting like a hitter you gonna put yourself in danger